You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 53. Episode 53, and this is new to our actually podcast. We are recording just coming off of a set of a session, which actually happens to be the biggest session, I, my bit, most profitable cash game session that I've had. So me and Tyler played it together. We saw all the hands, uh, but this is a just an insane session that was. Uh, we played over at Doghouse over in Cyprus. Right. Anytime it's your biggest session, I mean, you have some action hands <laughs> for us. I mean, I played like two, but you were really in there mixing it up. So that'll be something kind of exciting to talk about later on in the podcast. Yeah, and I think it'll be real interesting for the listener on the uh, hands. Because, it, don't get me wrong, there were some where it was like flop gold. But there were actually a lot of interesting call downs. It was a lot of interesting spots, too. So I think that's that's gonna just be an oh, just a really great session. I mean, we're gonna cover our most like our last sessions first, but uh, that is coming up in the podcast. And also, we have a uh, a listener actually submitted a question, and they were asking us to maybe just kind of give our impressions about some of the local rooms in Texas, or well, mainly in Houston. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I think that's really cool. I, like, I'm watching uh, the Trooper series on YouTube where he's actually going through uh, Las Vegas and just talking about the rooms, and I find that super interesting. And I guess because I played in the underground days where there just weren't... Well, there were still a lot of rooms, but not as many as there are now. That just having so many options is really cool. So I really find... I think that'll be really good to kind of give the listeners just certain like impressions of our what we think of the rooms. Uh, but first, I guess you had some news on Ben Deach coming in town, right? Yeah, uh, the vlogger Ben Deach is coming to 52 Social at Round Rock, the 26th, 27th, and 28th. And I wanted to include that. There's a lot of vlogger stuff happening, oh, especially at the, uh, well, obviously, Andrew Neme, Doug Polk, and Brad Owen are part owners of the Lodge, so they're there. Seems like all the damn time. So that's really cool to see them over there and be able to, you know, meet these people that you see on video and you've seen them play poker, but, you know, get a chance to, you know, meet these people that you kind of follow. Uh, but Ben Deach is one that I always, I find just really entertaining because he's he's so open about everything. I mean, by far the most, I believe. I don't even think there's a close second. And I find that really interesting. So it's... I'll look forward to him coming into town that day. Right, and he's probably the most open uh, with his personal life, for sure, compared to all the other vloggers. That's what, I mean, I know he shows his winning and losing sessions, but, I mean, that dude really shows you what's going on in his life, which really adds an extra element to his vlog. I feel like it makes it a more bio- biographical on that. So, I mean, it's kind of a... Well, not to mention, like, I think I relate to the vlog. I've noticed I relate to the vloggers who are, like, around my age, especially. Which, like, him, Andrew Nimi, Jamin, uh, Brad, I think is just a little bit younger, but still, like, kind of relatable. So, I don't know. Kind of a interesting situation there. Uh, like I say, I look forward to him coming along with, 
any of the, any of the vloggers. I really enjoy a lot of all of them, but especially that one. Absolutely. Um, so I guess before we get into those sessions that we hyped up, we have to cover some of our sessions that we played earlier in the week. Yeah. So let me see. You want to start off with your doghouse session? Sure. Um, I have kind of what I guess it would be. I don't know if it's an interesting. I mean, it was a. It became an interesting situation. And the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So I went to go to, to play a doghouse, right? And when I arrived, I arrived pretty late. I got there at around ten thirty. Um, and there was two tables, and one was round of each, and the other one was um, one three no limit with the reverse button. And I told him, well, I'll just sit and wait for the one three because that one's full. And I don't want to play round of each. Um, but then they ended up having the round of each switch to one three. And um, nothing substantial happened for me there. Um, then the game broke, right? And normally, in most of the other rooms, when the game breaks, you draw for high card to see who moves, correct? Yeah, that's how I've seen it. As far as I know, everywhere, actually. But here what they did is some players were saying that they wanted it to be whoever had been there the longest gets to go. Uh, that When you told me that, I find that to be kind of interesting. I don't really I, I don't really hate it because I do feel like it's still a fair way to go. If you've been there the longest, then I mean, I don't know, if you okay, let's say you've been playing like eight hours and you end up at a table where everybody's been there less than an hour and for whatever reason you still want to play. I mean, I kinda see where you would uh where it'd be fair where it'd be kinda fair, but I I don't know. I mean, I don't have a huge problem with it. Well, here's what I was thinking about. It's kind of like, um, so the so the first the floor came over and they said, well, we're just going to draw for see who takes the, like, I think we were forehand and they had like three seats, right? They're like, well, we're going to draw. And then one of the players was like, well, no, we're going to do, uh, I want to do whoever's been there the longest. Oh, wait, is that what happened? Yeah. Oh, I remember when you told me this. I did not know that was part of it. I thought that was just how they did it. No, I guess the players said that's how they're going to do it or want to do it. Which for me, who just sits down, is like them being like, well, everyone whose name is Clint gets to go over there. And if your name's not Clint, you don't get to go. But it's Clint coming up with the idea. Yeah, that's 100% different than what I than what I believed. I believe that that was just how they do it. Which, like, I'm fine if it's consistent. If that's how they do it, but if they're if the player just wants to change how they do it, and they change it for just that one player because he knows he's been there the longest, that I have a big problem with. Right, because when I was thinking back at it, I realized I kind of left that detail out because it didn't really play much of a role, but it definitely leads to a more interesting topic. Well, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it kind of plays in. Well, it plays into the role of how fair it is. I mean, it's because, like I say, I don't have a problem if you do it. You know, if that player, if the player who's been there the longest gets it, I'm fine with that. But as long as it's consistent, I mean, because what happens when you've been playing there the longest next time, and you still want to play, but I mean, and they go to draw. I mean, I'm not gonna, just going to be a dick and not have you know give those other guys a chance if that's how they do it. No, I, I completely disagree with that. I mean, because, yeah, no, 100%, I'm on your side now. 
Yeah, but um, so I end up, I mean, because obviously I'm the one who just got there and they changed the game for. So I'm obviously the short, the odd man out. So I'm sitting there waiting. And this is one of the issues with being able to run it twice. I saw a few all-ins thinking I was about to be in the game. But of course they chop it and I don't, you know, so I'm sitting there waiting. And I even got up and cashed my chips out and got the cash. Okay. And then someone got up and was, I guess, because they were probably about to leave and then saw that, you know, someone with the, you know, fresh stack is about to leave. So I end up getting on the table and nothing really substantial happens um, this session. Uh, the int- the only interesting thing that happened was as the night went on, you know, obviously players left, but the party environment at Doghouse is just... I mean, I don't want to say it's unmatched, but it seems unmatched. Uh, yeah, it was... Well, you have played a few more sessions sessions there than I have. I will say this. Me and you had this theory quite a while back where if the, if the poker room doesn't have a bar, it just isn't a great poker room. You need kind of the alcohol. Like I say, not saying everybody needs to be crazy drunk. But a little bit of alcohol does fuel the game and make it a little more fun, a little bit more splashy, a little bit more social, which just creates way more action. Well, and I guess to say that, you know, the action there, I'm not saying it's always unmatched, but that night it was. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm at this wild game, and, I mean, people are, I mean, they came in drunk kind of situation. Yeah, that's that's always a good thing. I mean, that's always good for the game. Um, and then the the interesting hand that happened was it's a PLO hand. I had Ace Queen of Spades with the ten Jack, one of them being a spade, one being a heart. So okay. whenever the action came, I only called the fifteen dollar open, and of course you're seeing it nine ways or literally whoever is there is seeing a flop, right? How's your how big is your stack? Um, I cover people, but I was probably there with about a thousand one or a thousand two, you know? I feel like this is fine. I mean, because if you three bet here and you get four bet, you're in a horribly weird spot. I mean, I don't know, like for PLO, and I know this is not like advanced high level PLO, I think is going to say you three bet here, but I think personally i just take i mean i'm gonna take a i'm gonna just call the 15 and see the flop at least that's just what i did and i flopped gold just the ace high flush for the nuts oh my god so i check it though because i'm out of position it checks all the way around to the button and she pots it i like this move a lot i mean i have found the check raise to be so powerful in plo because you're so limited on what you can bet into the pot. So, I mean, I've, I feel like the check raise is just very well utilized in PLO. So I like this a lot. I'm as, uh, so what happens when it comes back to you? So I repot it, obviously. Okay. I get flat called by someone who had checked behind, but this was that girl who was, uh, she had been drinking, partying the party environment. She was relatively short stack, maybe 500 in her stack total. And then it folds back around to the original uh, razor. She folds. She says she was just playing. And the turn is a brick. I mean, it's like the three of hearts. Doesn't pair the board. 
so it doesn't really doesn't really matter. So, so just a blank on all yep accounts. And I'm just put her all in because it's probably at this point one third pot. She right. snap calls. Um, she had second nuts. I had the ace high flush. Well, that's good. I mean, look, kind of basically a cooler situation at that point. But I mean, this is one of those pre flops where I mean, it kind of shows it kind of shows pre flop how valuable an ace high flush draw or a suited I should say a suited ace is over a suited king. Right. Absolutely. But I um that was basically a big hand for me. Um, but then the table gets kind of crazy, like the environment went from a fun environment to where people started kind of arguing with each other. Cause that's kind of also the nature of alcohol. I mean, I was about to say, I was like, anytime I've been in a game where there's a lot of drinking and it's a real fun environment. Well, I won't say not every time, but there's a good portion of time. That's exactly where, where it goes to at some point. And the really weird part is like the action players were fighting. So it's not like they're fighting with someone who's sitting there grinding well, is that weird? Because I mean, it seems like the action players would also be, would would have more run-ins with other action players, right? No, for sure. But I meant, <laughs> I guess when I said it, I was more, uh, I was very concerned that we might lose one of these action players. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> That's that is a, definitely a concern right there. <laughs> so um, we end up do we end up losing one of them because uh, he busts out doing some crazy. I don't know if it's a drunk angle or what he was doing, but he called with queen high or something and lost to ace high. That's how good the game is. Uh, God almighty. <laughs> but so then we end up, one of the drunk guys ends up fighting with his wife or just arguing at the table. And she wants him to leave. He doesn't want to leave. He ends up staying there. Now, if I remember right, let's specify this. If you, when you're telling me this, his wife's not playing. She's just with him, and they're arguing. Correct. Well, she was there watching. When he was winning, everything was fine. Right. But, as you know, everyone just cares about the results. Who does, who, uh, if they're not really into poker, all they see is you losing $300 on the river. Yeah, I mean, whether it was... Because from what you said, he was an action player, but he was actually making decent moves. He's just kind of getting cooler a little bit sometimes. This was early enough in the night where he wasn't drinking too much, but I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he got cooler in a few hands where he lost pretty big amounts. He was giving crazy action, but the the big hands he lost, he did get cooler in. Yeah, that's a. Well, I mean, if you have a significant other or whatever, I mean, yeah, it's very hard to explain to them that you know, well, I had positive EV, so this is a great move in the long run. I mean, people who do not gamble are just not gonna they're not gonna look at poker the same way that you do. I mean it was like um he had a turn to straight and someone flopped two pair of river to better uh river to boat to his straight. Yeah. I mean But I mean you have the nuts going into I, I don't know. It was but I mean that's I guess that's not really the point of the story. But the point of the story is is they get in an argument and I was about to leave because up a little bit maybe like five hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. Okay. But they get in an argument. She leaves them there. So now it's me, the drunk girl, and the drunk guy who's fresh off the argument. And the game is about to break. I said, well, I mean, I'll play three-handed with you guys. I mean. I mean, 100%. I mean, short-handed where you're getting even more hands in. And it's against two basically whales at this point, it seems like. 
I mean, 100% you want to play this game three-handed, I assume. Right, so we play three-handed, and, you know, the girl's running around. Like, she went out in the parking lot for a little bit. (laughs) I mean, that must be very awkward when it's three-handed and one person's not even at the damn table. (laughs) Well, I mean... She did it originally. Then when people kind of said something like that, she did. She did end up staying. Um, she left like maybe one or two. What was she doing in the parking lot? I don't know. I think talking. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, it's like I mean, she's running around. I mean, no, it, like, if you're there to party, I mean, I mean, I guess that's one good thing about legends. Ain't nobody gonna go run around the parking <laughs> lot. Have <laughs> I mean, they're not coming back. But um, so. <laughs> But so she comes back eventually and um, basically this guy just keeps trying to get me to fold, but three handed. I mean, I'm just not folding, especially right. whenever he's been over bluffing the whole session. So he, I mean, there was one to where like I tur- I rivered a three high flush four four liner to a flush okay. and he tries betting it down. I just call him and he has queen high. I mean, and I mean, just I mean, that's uh, a pretty damn good call by you. Cause I mean, I mean, wrong. Like, I mean, that's that's still. I mean, against somebody who's bluffing, still catch hands. That's a pretty damn good call. Three high flush. Yeah, but I mean, again, if if you've shown all night long that you're bluffing and just going crazy, right? And I mean, now we're playing basically heads up. Yeah, you definitely have to adjust your ranges a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess um, I end up making a few good calls there. Nothing. Um, too noteworthy, but I kind of grind up a little bit of a win to about maybe a thousand dollars. Okay, that's a pretty damn nice win. And then, and the, this is the dramatic conclusion of the session, though. Okay. So we're sitting there playing. I fold this hand. I was like, whatever. And um, so the girl and the guy get in this hand, and the flop is Jack eight three. Okay. The girl bets like, I mean, maybe like twenty five bucks. The guy ships it for a thousand. God, damn. She calls. How much did she have behind about? She covered him. Oh my god. He turns over, middle pair, with like a nine kicker. She turns over, middle pair, ace kicker. I mean. I mean, because the four was sitting at the table just talking just because it was pretty late. Uh-huh. And, I mean, all of us were pretty floored at the call. I mean, the, the call, bed. the bed, I mean, just literally everything. I mean, it's, talk about one hell of a game to be at. Um, he's unimproved. She stacks him. And then afterward, she stays there to talk trash. I mean, okay, you know what, drunk girl or not? I'm giving her credit. I mean, if you make that call, if you make a middle pair call when someone overbets the pot by like, I mean, too much, two hundred and fifty, <laughs> <laughs> and you call that and you're right. I mean, if if you can't talk trash, then you can never talk trash ever at a poker table. So I'm giving her credit. She's allowed to talk trash here. <laughs> but I mean, that was really the point I wanted to bring up about that session. I mean. It was cool for me. I flush or flush someone, but that was kind of the noteworthy. Oh yeah, no, that's a crazy hand. <laughs> so, um, did you have that was one of the sessions? Um, did you play one, or are we going right into the one that we just played? Uh, you know what? The sessions I played up until now, they weren't 
that interesting, but I am I'm gonna run through just real quick on what happened, to just so that people can kind of that we're being true to our results. The uh, so I go on like uh, Friday. There's a place called Offsuits in Houston. Very interesting poker room. I'm getting to where I'm more and more like this room. It's in a very like uppity, trendy part of Houston, uh, and it kind of connects. I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like if it were two buildings and it's a duplex, and one's a bar and one's a poker room. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really kind of a cool setup. And obviously, you can walk back and forth between the bar and the poker room. There is a door that connects. But yeah, you can walk back and forth. There's not like it's not like I'm trying to explain like explain it well because there's not a bar in the poker room, but it's a connecting door, and you go in to not like a bar in the poker room, but an actual bar. Are you able to bring drinks back? I believe so. I believe the waitress is actually coming back and forth here and there. Okay, well, that kind of paints as a pretty interesting, um, I guess, layout. Yeah, it's a, a way more different layout than a uh, most place than a uh, almost any place I've been to. But I have a friend who hosts a poker room, a poker game every now and then. He does that party type atmosphere. I mean, there's, I mean, you name it, it's just there. I mean, basically, it's just a lot of people come in there to have a good time. I mean, drinks are flowing. Uh, foods provided. Uh, I mean, just there are. I mean, basically, if you want to know what's going on, you got to show up, kind of situation. Yeah, kind of basically. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Is it an invite only situation? Mm, I it's definitely not an invite only, but I, a lot of people probably wouldn't know about it unless like they knew him or something like that. Uh, but I mean, anybody could come and play. I mean, I was. Uh, tried to bring some people earlier that night, but I get there. It's kind of early in like this kind of party type session, which is what I was going for. But it's I had to work the next day, so it's an early night. I end up playing King Jack. I raise the fifteen. There's two calls. The flop is Jack Seven Deuce with two clubs. I make it twenty. I get one call. The turn is, a, I'm just hoping there's not a club. It's a deuce offsuit. I'm like, this is perfect. This is perfect for me. I bet 55. And it's kind of a girl who's not really into poker. She doesn't really, she's more or less just playing with her boyfriend and just like doesn't really, you can tell she's just a due to it. And she's like, oh my God, that's so much money. I mean, you can tell because it's fairly, it's not like a half pot size bet now. But like we always say, a lot of players at the lower stakes, they look at the amount of money, not in correlation to the pot. 100%. Yeah, this, and this is kind of how this is. And she, But she makes the call. Well, once she mentions how expensive it is and decides to call, at this point, I'm kind of nervous. So the river is a seven offsuit. So now it is Jack. Seven, deuce, deuce, seven. God. I don't, lo- I mean, I don't think it hits her, but I don't love that all the cards got there. And I mean, a flush draw is folding anyways. I check and she checks and shows ace jack for a slightly bigger kicker to, uh, to my king jack. That board pair on the river really kind of saved you from losing a third street, right? 
Uh, or, or was it a verbal tell? Was it a live tell that you probably were checking it every time after she says that? Yeah, I think it's more. I think that's kind of more of a live tell, but it's a. Uh, I don't. I mean, the the board pair did help. I will say that. I, I mean, any club or board pair was gonna probably do that. Uh, so I end up playing Queen Ten as my second hand. I call. I call a fifteen dollar raise. Uh, seven to the flop. It comes queen nine three. I'm in early possession. I mean queen ten, not great. Considering this is queen nine three rainbow as well. It checks to me. I bet forty five. Everyone folds, but a player that had checked me check raises all in for two fifty. I mean these bets are just always nutted as hell. I mean if I have ace queen, it might be a decision, but at queen ten, I mean this I just snap folded. Yeah, absolutely. That like like we had said, it's just, I mean, the consequence of playing ace uh, queen ten, right? Yeah, I mean, so uh, that was not so that session uh, did not go my way. Lost three hundred. I then go to doghouse the following session. This is not the session we just came out of, but an earlier one. Wait, wait. So how did you end up doing at that uh, offsuit? Uh, down three hundred. So, I guess you just got it in in a different hand because you didn't get felted uh, there. But, I mean, I guess just one of the whittled away kind of situations. Yeah, I think it was just whittled away. Actually, you know what? I bought in for 400 oh. So, I was down 300 But, I, yeah, I didn't get felted there. But uh, it was a point where I was just kind of... Well, when you have work the next day, I mean, you can't stay there all night. So Yeah, I kind of made a time limit for myself. Uh so at Doghouse, I immediate, I sit down, I immediately have dealt queen-queen, and I raise it to 20 with two callers. The flop is jack-7-5. Love this flop. Not too connected. Uh, somebody can have a jack. I bet 35. There's a call. The turn is a 10. I bet 75, and he tank folds and says he thinks he was good there with ace-high. I mean, I, I love to see you getting that kind of respect. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is Ace High good there? I was just being honest. I was like, uh, uh, I was like, the Jack was even good there, man. Uh, so, and then later I have King Jack. I bet twenty, uh, two call. The flop is Jack five eight with two spades. I bet thirty five, and there's one call. The turn is the five of spades. So now the turn pairs the board and puts a flush out there. I check. He bets 60. I don't think I can give up just yet. As bad as that card is for me, I call. River 3, he bets 60. And now this is a horrible spot because it's now 60 into quite a bit now. Uh, I end up folding for this one-fifth pot size bet. And... Oh, you know, okay, let me ask you, Tyler, if you think I'm good here. The guy I folded to was the guy that tonight I won the biggest pot of my life against. <laughs> okay. Is this, is this, do you think this is a good fold? Okay. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it too much for the listeners because it so, gets crazy. So what did you have? Run it through me one more time. Uh... I have King Jack. The flop is Jack five eight two spades. Turn is the five of spades. I check. He bets sixty, and then the river is a 
offsuit three. He bet sixty. I mean, the, now knowing, I think this is somebody who, like, I was like, well, nobody's betting a jack here. I now think that this is some, and now he did say he had four six of spades after the hand, and he does seem like someone who's kind of honest when he does stuff like that. Uh, he definitely seems honest because I almost never see him uh, say what he had. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it was probably a good fold right there. Uh yeah, I would, especially with that guy, because it seems like, especially now that I know the player, I've been, I was watching him when we play. It seems like he sizes up on his kind of to bully the pot away. When he's sizing down like that, like same bet, that seems kind of suspicious. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it's a bully. I know he over, it seems like he very much overvalues hands. Did not real. I mean, I didn't realize to the degree, but it's uh, definitely overvalues hands big. Uh, okay, and the last hand of the night, I mean, it was, you talk about a, I mean, double board bomb pot disaster. Uh, it's a bomb pot, I flop the nut straight on one board, and it comes around, and it checks all the way to me, and I pot it. But, you know, the first pot, since it's a bomb pot, is almost nothing. It's 30. So I watch. I don't think a single person folded. I was in, I think I was in like second to last position, potted it, and everybody calls. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's a big enough pot. Give me one clean turn card. And I had like, I forget. It was like two, it was like two six for the nut straight. It was not like a great straight. Uh, and, oh, no, I had four six. The turn card is a seven, putting just all kinds of bigger straights out there. And I'm just, you know, it's one of those you get overly frustrated and can't just, I didn't get away from a hand that was way easy to get away from. One of those just brain fart moments, really. Well, I guess, I mean, not to pile on, but did you have anything on the other board? Nothing on the other board. Absolutely nothing. I mean, one guy pet, now leads into me for 150, another calls. And I'm like, well, maybe they're both on the other board. I mean, not saying that this is a justified reasoning. Just saying what I was lying to myself at the time. But <laughs> yeah. it was it was a disaster of a hand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, not justifying it. Telling you the thought process of what got me there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in no way am I trying to justify this call. But uh, I end up busting out on that hand. It was at on the river. I have like ninety dollars behind, and at that point, I'm fine with the call. But I mean, I, it's definitely it should be a fold on the turn. <laughs> All right, does that put us at the session that we just played? That puts us at the session we just played. Say <laughs> because um, those ones kind of meh session. Like I mean, they're interesting, but. This one was explosive. I mean, kind yeah. of session, especially for you. Because I remember I was trying to leave, and I was like, I mean, we just can't go. Yeah, this is... So, okay, I'm going to start with this hand because it actually happened before you even got there. Okay, so I wanted to watch the... We had the play-in games tonight for the NBA, uh, and I had a couple bets on them. So I was like, I want to get there a little bit earlier than Tyler so I can just be already set watching the game and playing. Uh, I get there, and for about the first 30, 45 minutes, nothing happens. I don't get anything. And then I get ace-king on the button. And I'm, like, playing on my phone. I'm watching the game. I'm not—I'm acting like— 
I'm not paying that much attention to the table at this point yet, but I'm acting like I'm paying less than I really am. Ace-King button, a player raises to 30. It goes all the way. Another player calls. I have like 340 behind, and I'm like, well, my normal raise to this would be like around 110, 120. But then I'm pot stuck. Is that, yeah, that's about be about right. Tyler made a face like I was a stupid raise. <laughs> but he don't like that, seems about right. But I'm like, well, then I'm, but then I'm very pot stuck. And it, so I just, I'm like, well, okay, I, I'm all in. And so I jam it in for like, I think it was, I think it was 340. The razor, the pre flop razor, snap calls. And I'm like, well, this ain't good. <laughs> the other player kind of, he tank folds, but not like a long tank fold. Like one of those 20 second, he really, he wanted to, but was never really thinking about it. The reason I gave that face is because in my head, I was imagining you putting $50 in and you just barely min clicking. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but right, right, I forgot that it was 20. So it makes more sense. No, it okay. was 30. Okay, sure. Yeah. That's fine. Not 50, but yeah, that's why I was like, wait, what? But yeah. Okay. So he snap calls. Uh, I instantly, I just instantly turn over Ace King and tell him, "Hey, whatever you want to do it, we we do it." And then I, I was playing on my phone, didn't even look at it. I was like, and then he's like, "Just we're just gonna do it once." Uh, and well, I think he said, "In," and then uh, the board runs out. I mean, you want to talk about the worst run out? I think it was like five, seven, eight, nine, Jack. I think that was actually the run out. I think it was five, seven, eight, nine, Jack. I'm like, well, pretty much everything beats me. And then he turns over ace, ace queen, so that I get the win. Oh God! I bet you were so relieved, huh? <laughs> I was so relieved. I mean, it's one of those where I just right. I already had my hands on my chips. He was the guy to my immediate left. I just got to be sliding <laughs> right over there. Uh, so we go end up doing that. It's a so I start out with a pretty good win and I'm kind of chugging along. Like I think this was after you got there. I'm playing a double board bo Omaha bomb pot. I have eight eight in my hand, and I flop a set on not one, but two boards. Uh, there's not a lot going on on those boards either. Not a lot of straights. I don't think there was, there was none more suited where it was a flush. So I hit, obviously, this this bet very hard. Uh, I pot the I potted the entire way down. The 8-8 eight, eight runs in the, on the top board, runs into a boat. And the other one, just the set, was the entire way down. I don't know what the guy had who called me. But I know I scooped it. I thought he said he had a flush on the one that you boated, and he had two pair on the other board. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I remember him saying it, and then you said boat, and then it took me way too long to even read the boards. Because yeah, though you know what the flush one. Yeah, that was right. I completely uh, now now that you say it, I remember it. Uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, that was a pretty massive scoop uh, on that board. Uh. Now, that one kind of plays itself. I mean, when you flop a set on both boards, that's what happens. Uh, this one is way more interesting. It needs a lot of context. 
So, this is Jack Knight of Hearts. <laughs> I make it 25, and there are three callers. The flop comes 985 with two, two diamonds. I bet 60, and, one, and then there's one call. The turn is a queen. I check, he bets 60, I call. And the river is a 10. And he goes all in for a little over 100. To any other player, this is a fold. I mean, it's been the, it's a flop top pair, but it's been the worst possible run out. All the straights got there. All kinds of two pairs got there. An overcard hit. And, I mean, he bet twice on the on the overcard. But this player has, I mean, just, he's been doing random aggressive stuff all night. Not aggressive, like, he's fine as a person. But, I mean, he's been playing very aggressively all night. I mean, he's been three-betting and showing down very little. He's, like, on a lot of flops, he's been over-betting pot. Uh, two and three times a pot and showing down nothing. And it was one of those things where if I flop top pair, I'm just going to have to go with it against a player like this. So I turn the uh, nine. Uh, I end up turning over my cards, jack nine, and he says I'm good. I believe he said he had a pair. I'm guessing he had an eight. I think he had an eight. Probably. Um, do you want me to go over some of my hands before we get into the, your bigger hands? Yeah, we, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good time because this is about because that was right after I think you got uh, like a little after you got there, so this will be good. Yeah, no, I, I definitely saw that hand. Um, okay, <laughs> this one's gonna take some explaining, but oh god, I know which hand this is. <laughs> um, definitely know this one. So I get dealt seven three offsuit. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Go ahead and start the explaining because we're all waiting. Um. So one guy makes it twenty, and he's very deep stacked, and I cover him. And I was thinking, I'm gonna break you, <laughs> right? Like, like this hand. If I, because, like, I could possibly maneuver this hand. I call the twenty-five. Okay. Instantly get three bet to a hundred. I was like, well. I'm broken. <laughs> so, but here's where things kind of take a turn. Wait, he, wait, oh, hold on real quick. So he bakes at 25 and you call 3-7. Yes. Who three bets? The guy to my left. He three bet to 100 pre-flop? Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm mixing up two different hands with the same guy. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, if you call 3-7 off suit for $100, we're going to have to stop the podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You're right. I was mixing up the hand I just played. But um, he makes it 25. I call. Someone else calls, right? Okay. The flop comes ace. What was it? it was, so I had 7-3. So I, it was ace 4-5. Ace 4-5. So any six gave me a straight, any two gives you a straight. Yes. So I mean this. So I mean, if you're playing three seven offsuit, this is basically flopping the nuts for you. Exactly. Yeah. He bets a hundred and twenty five. A hundred and twenty five. So I mean, it was three ways twenty five. So he bet, over bets the pot here. Yep, and I was about to fold, and I was like. 
I mean, if you're going to play 7-3 and flop like this, you probably need to call. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem is what happens on if, like, you only have one chance to hit unless, I mean, unless you think he's actually checking the turn. Uh, As deep as y'all are, I mean, well, I mean, also you could have a hit a 7, which might be good too. I mean, it's possible. It is possible. But um, I end up calling the 125. I'm thinking, this has gotten dicey. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a very speculative call, we'll say. Hit the two on the turn. God almighty. That's a great call now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I believe I check-raise him, correct? Uh, I thought he was... I thought you were in position. I'm pretty sure. Okay, then if I was in position, or no, no, I was out of position. For you sure. were out of position. Okay, then yeah, yeah you definitely check raised him. I'd remember that part. I mean, you re, I didn't remember it was a re raise. So okay, yeah. so I checked it. I for sure was out of position. I checked. He bet. I believe it was two hundred, two fifty. I went all in. For how much? Shoot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was almost a full double up, but it was, I think he had like maybe six, seven to 800 behind because he had five black chips that he hadn't even put in the pot yet. Yeah. So I believe it was about 700 more. Uh huh. And he makes the forward motion and almost puts the chips in. And I tell him, well, I have a straight man. Thinking like he had called, right? Yeah. But then, I mean, he then throws the chips in the middle and, you know, starts having, I mean, I guess you describe it as a tantrum. Oh, man, 100% as a tantrum. I mean, it is the most, I mean, just goes ballistic. I mean, the worst I've seen in quite a while. I mean, starts, I mean, just yelling at the, like, 7-3. It's bullshit. I mean, talking, he wasn't talking as much trash to you, though. Is the deal? I mean, he was talking a lot of trash to you too, but I mean, <laughs> it was really giving it to the dealer as well. I'm like, I was like, what in the hell is going on with this dude? <laughs> well, and then the river paired the board, which was a little worrisome, I guess, but um, it was clean, I guess. And he, you know, I mean, for a pot that big, if I have basically the nuts and every card that makes me not the nuts <laughs> is gonna worry me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Um, well, I don't know. So, like, here's kind of my theory behind playing the 7-3 occasionally. Like, I know not literally 7-3, but the more speculative hands deep. It's funny because Clint's adjusting himself in his seat to, to really talk into the mic. But um, would you agree that I, I try to lean into the role of being the splashy, aggressive player? I mean, you do lean into that role but i mean like you still fold a lot of hands for the most part 100 percent. but you need to show every once in a while that you're so to paint the narrative to these players who if, even if you're folding but the time that you showed them seven three now they think you're just playing junk all the time that is true it gets like you if you have like well one as i think the pre-flop of the three seven but also when you bet the river, you're probably going to normally have it. But when you show these bluffs that you like to do, 
that sticks in somebody's head big time. I will say that. Right. But that's what I was saying. So, like, the 7-3 was more just like, well, this guy's betting. He has a lot of money. I have a lot of money. I'm going to call, see what happens, and maybe try. I mean, the hand worked out great for me. But, you know, I could try to bluff him, something like that, and then show the bluff and paint that narrative for later on in the session. I mean, I think there's – I'm definitely not suggesting people play Oh, no, don't. <laughs> Say don't do uh, it. I'm not, I mean, you are not going there. Uh, now, do I believe, like, you trying to build an image helps you, especially the way you play your game? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I definitely think you get lighter calls than most people playing tighter than a lot of people because of little things like that that you do. So, I mean, I definitely can agree with that. I mean, but here's the problem is a lot of times I think you're just going to get in very tough spots with these hands, too. 100%, and it gets dicey. But <laughs> <laughs> but that was my big noteworthy hand, basically, um, at the first half of the session. As I confuse my other big hand with, <laughs> I'll go with that uh, after we do, uh, go through some more of your hands. Yeah, it's uh, that was the craziest. I could not believe that guy's reaction. I mean, it was... It was the most volatile reaction I have seen in a long time. I mean, I was annoyed. He ended up being kind of an okay guy at the end. But I was like, at that point, I was like, was this dude, is this dude right in the head or what's going on? Uh, later, he's he's just fine. I guess everybody gets emotional, not to that degree, but, you know, to a degree with these hands. This is another super interesting hand. Uh, King King. Pocket Kings, I make it 25 over some limpers. I believe if I didn't I believe it's three to the flop. Yes, it's definitely three to the flop. The flop is ace ten seven. And I had folded ace five. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh so obviously ace ten seven, this is not a flop I love. Uh, it checks to me, I'm in position here. I decide just to go ahead and, like, no matter what, let's take a street of value from somebody away and go ahead and check this. Uh, the turn is a five. The player checks. The the One of the players is the aggressive player that I'd call down with Jack-9. He bets 20, which this guy has been over-betting to no end. I don't. I feel like he's just making a small bet to play for the pot. I'm definitely not folding for $20 into this pot. <laughs> I call, but then the player before him check raises to 100 Well, he obviously did not have much because he folds. I tank a little bit. I mean, a check raise against Pocket Kings on an Ace-10-7-5 board is not what you're looking for. But there were two diamonds on the flop. So on the flop, I reason that, well, one is it was limp. Both these players limp beforehand. So there's not that many big aces. On top of that, there were two diamonds on the flop. It checked to me, which is fine. Most players will check to the pre-flop raiser, but I check. But that player in particular checked the turn as well. I mean, not many people are going to have an ace and check it twice to check raise, especially on a wet 
like con- somewhat connected uh, board with a flush draw. And I just don't believe him here and make a call. The turn is a nine, which I don't love that either. I mean, it's just the board is more connected. But, I mean, am I randomly running into 10-9 or what am I really? I mean, if I was good beforehand, it seems like there's not a lot that just got there. He bets 200. I tank for a, a little while without a doubt. I was trying to figure it out. Uh, but in the end, I'm like, well, I need to be good about one out of three and a half to four times. And I just think the way he played this, I am. I call, and I'm good. I, he, I'm, I'm not sure if he had He actually hit the nine on the river, which is... You could tell like a lot of these players don't study because that might give you enough showdown value. Well, no, once I call the turn, but probably not. But, and but either way, I am good at on that hand, which I thought was a fairly interesting hand. It was super interesting, super interesting. Whenever I um, because normally when you're in a hand like this, I'm trying to maybe read the situation, trying to put you on a hand. And I mean, I was like. Man, I thought you were way strong. Like, I thought maybe I was thinking sets, two pairs, ace-king. When I saw kings and was good, I was like, what a hero call. Yeah, I was I was kind of wondering what you thought I might have there. Because I mean, that's a very different... I mean, it's just such a weird line for everybody that, I mean, it's, it could be kind of hard, be easy to get lost in just everything right there. I mean, I had the same reaction to whenever I turned over the 7-3 that you do that hero call. You know that meme where everyone's like, oh, and the guy like falls back into the crowd? That's how <laughs> yeah, I felt. Yeah, the UFC one, like Joe Rogan and Cormier, Cor- 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 is that what his name? Exactly. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that's how I felt when I turned over the 7-3, and that's how I felt when I saw you turn over the pocket kings. <laughs> because as played, I did think the guy, obviously, that's what makes the hero call, was going to have... Better than pocket kings. I mean, he seems so strong, but like just his mannerisms as well. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. When I was making the call, I wasn't loving life. Yeah, I was like, this guy does not seem like a dude who's weak. But when you made the call, um, yeah, (laughs) like I saw his face just drop. I was like, well, he was he was putting on a good show for sure. It didn't make it easy on you. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's one of those calls that. I think I'm losing more than 50% of the time, but like I say, I don't have to win 50% of the time for it to be profitable. I guess, should we talk about that one hand that I played um, with the pocket nines? Oh, yeah, that's definitely an interesting interesting hand. So I get dealt pocket nines on the button. I'm in the straddle as well. This guy who is going to be the main villain, I'd play with my first session at Doghouse, well, we can also specify that he is the guy on that was I was playing against at the Jack Nine hand, and uh, bet into me on the King's hand to kind of show too. Right, I mean, just very crazy, very aggressive player. Right, and I've seen him go all in a lot of times, very suspect holdings, and I mean, I've only played with him two or three times, but he's done it every time. So I get pocket nines. Um. I guess I didn't straddle this hand because I called a 20. Right. Uh, or no, the guy to my right made it 20. I called. Mm-hmm. He then repops it to 200. And this is his all-in 200. All-in 200, yep. The guy to my right folds. 
And I was sitting there thinking, like, I've seen him turn over literal just trash, like, you know, the 8-3, 8-4, stuff like that. And I know he could be doing this with just two over cards, trying to steal the pot. And I actually tanked for, I mean, a little bit, like maybe a minute, and ended up putting in the call. And the board ran out, and he ended up with, like, queen high, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was queen high. It was, a. Uh... well, I remember looking at this hand, and I was like, I mean, you had 25 in there, and then it was 200, or 20 in there. And when you made the call, and I saw pocket nines, I was like, oh, God, I don't love this call by you. But, because I was like, well, most of what he's going all in with is either two big cards or a bigger pocket pair. And I was like, I mean, granted, Tyler won. I don't love that. But as I, as the night went on, I realized that there were hands that he would do this with that you just completely dominate. And I didn't really get that until later on in the session. I mean, because he would have done it with ace five of diamonds, ace four. I mean, he, he literally, you could have had him completely dominated on this call. So, because at first I didn't understand it. I mean, the, I mean, the session I played with him earlier, he did the same thing with queen, king seven suited. Yeah, it's it's one of those that at the it, when you did it, I was like, what in the what in the hell is going on here? But then once I saw how he was playing and everything later on, like an hour and a half later, the call made perfect sense. Um, I guess which hand is next for you? Because that. I did not play that many hands. <laughs> yeah, it was a busy night for me. Uh, this is going to be the last hand for me tonight. I have Ace, King, Queen, Seven. It's a double board bomb pot. Last hand? Well, I mean, that's pretty much it for to. I mean, I got the pocket eight. You haven't done the, the biggest hand yet. Oh, God. Never mind. You know what? It was one that I didn't include in my notes because I'm like, I'll never forget this hand whatsoever. I was about to say, what is going on? Okay, this will be the second last hand. I'm going to leave that hand for last. Uh, the double board bomb pot. I have ace, king, queen, seven. Uh, the bottom board is king, king, jack. Top board is two, two, four. I pot it. Uh, for the flop and there's I think two calls uh, the turn is an ace on the top board and then I go to I ask what the pot is oh god and I go to pot it but when I asked for the pot I didn't specify that I wanted to pot it and they're saying it was a string bet which it was I didn't even know I guess it is true but I didn't even know you could ask what the pot is without potting it uh, yeah, I mean, definitely you can, because, I mean, you it's information. Like, I mean, you could ask it and do a half-pot bet or anything like that. I mean, they were right on this ruling. I did not argue the ruling at all, because I knew they were right. I was ready to argue, but then I was like, meh. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but it's, like, I, but I end up, I meant to bet 140. I end up betting 40, which was horrible. But it does get two callers. On the bottom board, I river an ace for kings full of aces. I then, I pot it for 360. I mean, and what I'm really going for here is a fold. Because on the top board, I have a pair of aces. I'm not strong. This is just a power move to win the pot. Uh, 
he tank he tanks for not actually that long and ends up having ends up calling with king nine for the bottom board trips and i end up taking it down he's like well you rivered me i was like well no i had trips with a better kicker even before then uh but i mean this goes to show that like this is a really good demonstrative hand i'm pretty good at most the split pot games and the biggest problem that players have is they're just playing one board just a half this pot whenever you're playing this game you really need to be trying to win the full pot if you're just playing to half this pot you are gonna get killed in the end games like this uh so i end up winning a fairly sizable pot on there i mean he was he's in a tough position without a doubt but he was in like i say a very bad position because he was only playing for one pot. I guess let me do my last hand because it's going to be, I mean, I'm going to have a tough time following this next upcoming <laughs> hand. I was about to say, I was like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay. okay. So Clint's hand happened before this one, but uh, I don't want to follow that hand up. So me and that guy who I busted with a 3-7, he makes it 25. I have 10-8 suited spades. And, um, I was like, well, I mean, run it back. I call. Um, <laughs> and then the guy to my direct left makes it 100. The next guy down there calls the 100. Wait, is this pre-flop or the flop? Pre-flop. Okay. So it goes 100, calls 100. The original Razor calls the 100. Wow. And I was like, well. I did not know you were in there for 100 pre-flop. This hand. <laughs> yeah, you were in the restaurant or something. But um, so I I think well seventy five more to win what was that so that's one two three four hundred and twenty five so I was like maybe so I called <laughs> and <laughs> the flop comes Jack nine like three with one spade I remember seeing okay yeah I remember seeing that. And I was just like, well, here we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, now I'm now I'm in this hand for real. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to play 8-10 here, you're definitely going to be battling once you hit this flop. Um, the original guy who makes it, it checks the original uh, three better, original, the three better. And um, he goes all in for, like, 85. Okay. So, obviously, I'm not folding now. 100%. Um, one guy folds the original razor to my right calls. I call. This was really nice that this guy did not pull like push the action because I mean you're definitely never folding for eighty five here. But what if he like ends up going like three or four hundred? It puts you in a horrible spot. No, absolutely. We won't even think about it. <laughs> um, so I call. I turn a spade. So I'm like, well, now I'm really in here. Right. So now you've oh. got open-ended straight draw with a plus draw. So any queen, any seven. I forgot to say, when that dude folded for the 85, he flipped over a queen. I was like, that ain't good. That's not great. <laughs> um, it check-checked on the turn. 
the river is an offsuit seven, giving me the nuns. God almighty, what an amazing river. I end up going all in. The guy snap folds. I crack aces, uh, giving me a pretty big win, about one buy-in. Okay. It's a... Uh... So this is going to be the this will be the last hand of the night. I get pocket aces. There's several limpers ahead of me. Uh, so I decide to size up a little bit more than I would normally. I make it 35 to go and get a couple collars. I think it was like four four collars. The flop comes ace, four, five. I flop top set. I mean, woohoo, I am dreaming. Because I was like, this is already a big pot already. And I mean, I, I feel like it's going to get massive. I mean, I, I'm hoping to flop it over pair. But I'm tell you what, top set's even better. Only problem with top set is it's very hard to get value from. But this is a very call-happy table. It checks to me, and I think this is where I did play this halfway decent, is a lot of people might check to slow play here. I'm like, we're going to start getting money in the pot right now. Uh, I mean, if it just, just takes it down, it's a travesty, but that being said, whatever, well, I want to see some money going in. I do a kind of a small bet of 65, I believe. It is a call call. Two people uh, two people call this bet. Uh, I am now I'm now thinking I'm like, well, what's gonna happen on this? I'm like, please give me a clean turn card. Because there was a flush draw on the flop, correct? There was a flush draw. And I mean with what I bet I mean it's pre flop raised to thirty five, but there could still be some straights out straight draws out here. I mean, I'm not worried about 2-3, but, I mean, the, someone could call this a 4-5 suited at this table. Uh, or ace. Yeah, it's a, or like 5-6 for open and straight draws, what I meant to say. Uh, so the card is a king. Hitting probably somebody, making their hand maybe slightly better and not uh, adding any straights or flushes. Oh no! It did. I remember. I remember this. It did make it go like heart, heart, diamond, diamond. That's right. It did do that. It went. Uh, this is now double suited on the board. Uh, so I'm wondering like how much I'm gonna bet when a player leads out into me for three hundred and fifty dollars. I am just floored. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I've got. I think. 1500 behind because I remember this is, gonna, this is gonna be like an awkward sizing. Uh, I think it was less than that, I think it was like 13 or 14. But uh, we end up so I end up raising him to a thousand. The other player folds, obviously, and then he the other then that player who who led into me just jams it all in for. A little bit over a thousand. I think he probably had like eleven fifty, twelve hundred. Uh, once I mean, obviously, I snap call with pocket aces. If someone called me a thirty-five with two three, then it's their day to win. 
uh, I end up so the minute I call, I'm like, we can do whatever you want. We can run it twice or whatever. I'm like, I have top set, and you can see his fa- like you can see his face. Not, I mean, just he's a really good, nice guy, but you could see him just like dropped it. I mean, he knew he was basically running dead. I don't know. I didn't know what he had at the time, but uh, we. I, I was like, well, he's like, whatever you want. I was like, well, we can go twice. Uh, it comes out clean both rivers. Uh, he mucks and I scoop what is probably the biggest single pot I have ever scooped in my life. So I was sitting next to this guy, and I was like, "Do it for the vlog." So I leaned over to see what he had. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he had Ace Ten offsuit. I mean, so shocked. I mean, I thought for certain it was set over set or something like that. I mean, I'd seen this guy. I'd seen him overvalue hands before, uh, but I did not think he would. I mean, like Ace Ten. I did not think he would overvalue to that degree. It's uh. So I was. That was an insane hand. I mean, it was. I mean, it was one that definitely kind of played itself. But I mean, just for the size of it, was just ridiculous. So this night has been one hell of a night. Uh, I ended up. I mean, it's just kind of. I'm gonna just say I'll ended up about up about thirty two hundred for the night. That's so, a good night. Yeah, a nice little boost of the bankroll. Uh, we actually are recording in a different location. If we sound different, just just a heads up. Yeah, we were at the at your at your new house now for the uh doing the uh, podcast, which is going to be. I think this is going to be great for the podcast because it's very interesting to do these these uh, podcasts right after the session. I mean, it's you're still kind of. I mean, you're going to see now us either fueled up about these big wins we're having right after. Or you're gonna hear the lack lack of me wanting to live once I you know I lose two buy-ins because I'm a bit emotional. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess do we are we gonna go over that uh, listener question? Yeah, let's go over the listener question. All right. So I guess um, one of the listeners just asked. He said he he's played at um, Texas Avenue. Prime and not Prime, Paramount and Texas Card House, and he just wanted to know how those rooms kind of compare to some of the rooms in Houston. So we we're gonna just kind of maybe just give some of our impressions of some of the rooms he's been at, and just some rooms in Houston, and just maybe at the end of uh, the next couple podcasts, I would say, we're just kind of give some of our impressions and just thoughts on some of the rooms. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... Do you want me to start off? I'm the only one who's played at Texas Avenue, so do you want me to start off there and yeah. tell you how it compares? Uh, so me and you go to the same room, so I can kind of compare. When you This is Texas Avenue on College Station. In College Station, it was kind of the main room I played at before I moved, ended up moving to Houston. So it's in a like a, like a very small parking lot, but it's... Nice. It's not like any like some poker rooms in Houston. You pull in, they're kind of dicey. This one's nice. It's a smaller parking lot, and you walk in, and I will say there's two things that stand out. It's a very small room, and it's one of the nicest rooms for the size. How many tables do they have in there? About three tables. 
So, I mean, yeah, not a, not a big room by any means. Not going to be doing a ton of tournaments or anything there. Uh, you walk in there. It's a uh, You have two giant big screen TVs on opposing walls to your left and right. And, I mean, I miss this room a lot because it is one, I think, the single best place to watch a game and play poker. It's a, I mean, they're big screen TVs. They're not all the way across a gigantic room. Uh, love that about it. Uh, they got a little arcade machine that's uh, got Galaga and Pac-Man for when you're not playing. It's one of those that kind of has a Paramount feel where you ha can go and get the snacks yourself, uh, get drinks. A lot of times, like 6 or 7 o'clock or whatever, they'll get an order for like real food and actually bring like pizza or Chick-fil-A or something like that. So it's one of it's one of the single nicest rooms I've been in. Uh, for that size room, the nicest room I've ever been in. You did say that um, it's a $15 entry fee though, correct? Which kind of let, lets them uh, gives them the ability to give you buy you guys such nice meals, right? Yeah, there's a $15 entry. And it was, and it's a twelve dollar dollar hourly. Uh, if you buy, a, like last I checked, if you buy a hundred at by ten hours at a time, they'll be you can do a hundred dollars for ten hours at a time. Uh, so you can kind of bring the hourly down to ten dollars. Uh, they were running a lot of deals for March that were super good deals. Uh, like I think if you paid the entry on Tuesdays. And you did one hour, you could play all night. But I don't know. I don't know if that's going to continue. I don't know how they're going to go about it. But I will say, as far as the room goes, if you are up in that co that College Station area, that is by far my favorite room, and it's super enjoyable to play at. It's one you should definitely check out because it is very different too. Well, when we were when you were reading some of their promotions, it is kind of nice to see them do different promotions because it kind of. It's kind of rough, like when the promotion happens that the room does, and that's the only promotion they do, and you're unable to benefit from it for some reason. Like back whenever, uh, I think it was Prime had like the one: the more hours you play, the cheaper your hourly. So it was something like that. But you and I both could didn't get to benefit from it. It's kind of nice to see them, kind of, I guess maybe kind of shuffle through their promotions. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Well, I will. Yeah, like. That's a great point. I love the promotions that don't only focus on the reg reg players. That I mean, if you're going through there, you can get just as much. Because you're right, Prime in like the heyday did that, and I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't go play there a lot because I wasn't living in Houston. None of them, none of them helped me out in any way, form or fashion. Uh, so yeah, I, agree, I completely agree. Uh, so that's kind of how that compares. I think we were going to compare that with one that he did hadn't played at. So you want to give me your impressions of Prime? Yeah, I guess we're going to talk about Prime. Um, well, I guess actually let's start with your first impression because that's the first room. Because uh, whenever we first started playing poker, I was always driving to Louisiana. And this was the first time that you went and saw Prime. Yeah. So you were going to Louisiana. I had just started playing like a I'm not even sure if you knew these places existed at this point no I don't think I did I think you're the one who told me but I've never I'd never been to one never heard of one I had never been to an underground game in Houston I had only been to LaBerge Golden Nugget and then 
uh, like Foxwoods, Mohegan. I mean, only casinos. Yeah. Uh, so there's at this point when Prime opens up, it's still kind of newish. Uh, there's like Post Oak. There's I think there's Mint and Clear Lake. I've heard of this place Prime, and I go in there and it. I could not believe what it was because you walk in, it's by far the nicest building I've seen a poker room be in. Not even close. From the outside, it looks super nice and trendy. Ridiculously. You walk in there, there's a front desk, and it's kind of like a small... It's like a small area when you walk in. So I pay my dues to go in there, but there's a lot of business, a lot of people around. But when you turn that corner, there's a left corner, all of a sudden you see this really nice bar. And it's, the bar is absolutely huge. Uh, then inside there's these glass, there's a fireplace with like in a, like a glass room for their high limit games. And there's like probably 10 to 12 tables in there. Super nice. And you walk out and it is gigantic in there. And I mean, I remember being like, this is the closest I've ever seen to like Vegas poker in Houston. I mean, the action was off the charts. I mean, people were, I mean, people were donking off insane amounts of money there. I mean, just you couldn't even believe it. It was a, uh, like I say, the only way I can describe it is like when you're like, holy crap, this is like just as good as Vegas at this exact moment and as prime in its heyday. It's different now, but it's still one of the nicest places to play, right? I would say. It's probably the nicest, right? I can't really think of a nicer place that the rooms that we go to, um, just right around my house. Can you, as far as just, yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, I, there's, yeah, I don't even think there's any place that close, really. Yeah, not not as far as yeah, like you said, just the niceness. The, I mean, I remember my first time walking, just that wow factor when you walk in of how nice it is. Yeah, I would say. I would say Texas. I would say Texas Card House would be number two. So if you're gonna compare, I would say if you're gonna compare Prime, then like Texas Card House would almost be a slightly smaller version, almost as nice, but not quite. Right? Is that a good? I mean, Texas Card House, I I enjoy and it's awesome there. We'll we'll cover that one later, but I wouldn't even say it's slightly nicer. I mean. Prime is, I mean, pretty pretty up there as far as the niceness. That's true. Yeah, I mean, because the whole, when you're going into the building, the bar area, the patio area, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's not, I mean, Prime is definitely the nice. I mean, we could just say it's by far, it's it's by far the nicest. And I would argue Texas Card House probably is number two, but you're right. There is a considerable gap. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll cover Texas Card House Houston probably next week. You know, so I don't want to get into it too much. I mean, not talking bad about them, but just Prime is kind of on that another level of niceness. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm not even saying, like, Prime is my favorite poker room. It is one of the, but I'm not saying it's the favorite. But as far as just when you're going into a super, like, cool, nice atmosphere, it's, that's it. Here's, uh, this is what you always used to say about Prime. Whenever we were getting someone new to come play poker take them to prime so they can see how nice it is and really get the experience. That is really true. No, a hundred percent. That was exactly, uh, the way to go about it. 
Absolutely. I, I still remember <laughs> uh, at Prime, that's where I got my first nemesis. <laughs> Your first nemesis? <laughs> I mean, I, the first of what many were to come. <laughs> but I remember I played against this guy. I had, still remember it, Ace King and um, got all in preflop. He had King Jack. Uh, of course, it ran out to where he had a straight and felted me. Oh God! Yeah, you always remember that stuff. <laughs> and then, um, was it same player? I get uh, pocket kings flop top set. He called my all in, or not all in. He called my gigantic bet on the uh, raise preflop with queen nine and end up uh, getting a straight to bust me. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, so he actually flopped the straight, but. Damn, that's a, yeah. Well, we have exact opposites because I remember when I, my first time to Prime was at that point became my biggest winning session and stayed that way for probably about a year because I think I profited about a little over, uh, almost like two grand or so. And I mean, wasn't playing near as big or anything as we do now. So, I mean, that was a huge session at that point. So instantly, like one of my favorite places. <laughs> yeah. I still remember uh, very new into the bankroll being down to two buy-ins total on my bankroll, two $300 buy-ins at one, three Yeah, and thinking like, well, today we're playing for the ability to play tomorrow. Uh, We've both been there. (laughs) I think every poker player has been, I think every poker player at some point has been there where you're like, this better work out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Luckily it did. Um, but I guess, is there anything else to talk about of, of Prime before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, I would say that, like, as far as that goes, I would also say it's probably becoming the biggest tournament place in Houston. Uh, they just did the biggest, I think they had the most guarantees for a tournament series. Uh, it just wrapped up, like, probably about a month ago. Uh, so, they're, I mean, they have the space to really do that. So, they're kind of that place you go to for that and... I would say uh, the hourlies, 12 an hour. Uh, some people might find it a little bit steep. Uh, it's $10 to get in, $12 an hour. But really, in all honesty, like, I've still seen way better games. I mean, way better games there than some of these cheaper places. And I think the rate is probably justified. I mean, I think $2 an hour to play in a much better game in a much better environment. I mean, I just think that that's probably worth it to me personally. Well, and like, I guess we'll close the podcast out with this. Like you've always said, a $10 uh, time fee versus a $12 time fee, that $2 an hour is not going to make or break your session. What's going to make or break your session is your play. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that session. Now, that being said, over the long haul, it does play a fact, a pretty decent factor. But I mean... If you're in a slightly, I mean, forget much better game. If you're in a slightly better game, it's probably going to cover it by quite a bit. Right. Yeah, I guess that was the point I was trying to make. But on that note, this will conclude the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.